the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. You see those sirens in your feed. You know exactly what that means. Uh, Bud Elliott told you, great listener, that we should be on the lookout in late June for a final ruling from the Supreme Court of the United States in the NCAA v. Austin case. This is one where uh, the NCAA was forced before the Supreme Court to defend really its entire model. Um, What exactly the ruling was, uh, we're about to get into that, as well as, you know, what it means for short-term and long-term implications. Uh, But the the score was nine to nothing. We are dummy sports writers, and so if you give us a score, then we're going to be able to just very, very quickly uh, run with it. Nine to nothing, man. Kind of looks like an ass beating. Uh, is is there any other way to read uh, what happened in terms of uh, looking at the nine justices all siding together against the NCAA in this partisan divisiveness era? We feel like we would never imagine that we see like a nine zero ruling like this. Uh, what what did you see once you actually started to get into the specifics of the ruling and um, and were you surprised at all? You know, Chip, nine uh, zero rulings do happen. Uh, they're not super common. Oftentimes, they would happen more if certain parties appealed their case all the way to the Supreme Court. But a lot of times, parties read the room and they say, eh, I don't know, maybe not great legal ground to stand on here. Uh, the only real real hope is that the, the Supreme Court just happens to love us or, or what we stand for as opposed to our, our legal or, or factual argument. Uh, in this case, the NCAA decided that it would appeal the, the Alston ruling from the lower court. And uh, unfortunately for the NCAA, the Supreme Court did not agree with them. Uh, it it the ruling is narrow in scope uh, mm. as to this case, but as we'll get into later, there are potentially big implications here for future suits. So uh, basically what this means for right now is that the NCAA cannot place these sort of like anti-competitive artificial market caps on education-related expenses. So if one school wants to give more expensive laptops or uh, unlimited meals has already been decided, but like laptops, graduate school, uh, you know, expenses, maybe post-grad internships, tutoring costs, things like that. The NCAA can't cap that until, you know, really successful school, hey, you're not allowed to pay, pay this because the other schools are not allowed to pay this because the this issue has not been, uh, you know, legislated by Congress or collectively bargained. So uh, they found that basically the NCAA trying to do that was anti-competitive in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act, which is basically the, the crux of the whole case. It's essentially, unless you have some sort of exemption from antitrust, there's a lot of anti-competitive stuff you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to do. And the court found the NCAA was doing some of that stuff. 
Yeah, if I want what the lower court said. Yeah, if if I want to be able to give um, the nicest computers that exist, if I if I want to pay Elon Musk to build a computer for every single one of my football players, then that was prohibited under like I'm sure they were dollar amounts, right? Like they were saying like these certain educational and related expenses could not exceed this. And that's where Sean Austin go nears former West Virginia football player uh, and the other uh, plaintiffs in this case were able to, to really find what becomes a little bit more interesting to us, which is some cracks in the foundation. So some ways that amateurism in general are going to be on shaky ground. Now you've got, legal uh, expertise that far exceeds mine. So Neil Gorsuch wrote the uh, the primary dissent and then uh, another opinion was written by Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, no, it, there's there's no dissent here because oh, okay, there's no, it was 9-0. He, he wrote the primary opinion and Justice Kavanaugh wrote a concurrence. Concurrence, that's the word. Okay, it seems like the, the primary opinion is, is where you talk about limited in scope where we're not going to find um, where we're not going to find anything that's going to really change the way that everything exists within college football. However, uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh uh, really started to open things up where he said the NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student athletes in innocuous labels, but labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. All the restaurants in a region cannot come together to cut cooks wages on the theory that customers prefer to eat food from low paid cooks. Law firms cannot conspire to cabin lawyers salaries in the name of providing legal services out of the love of the law. Hospitals can not agree to cap nurses' incomes in order to create a purer form of helping the sick. And he continues to move this on and on before finalizing it with price-fixing labor is price-fixing labor, and price-fixing labor is ordinarily a textbook antitrust problem but because it extinguishes the free market in which individuals can otherwise obtain fair compensation for their work. It feels to me, bud, like all of those arguments aren't actually in the legal fallout of this, but because they were written by a Supreme Court justice, now they become sort of the key pieces for all of the attacks on the NCAA moving forward. Chip, you you really nailed it there. Um, to, to go back to sort of the, the score analogy with, with, with the 9-0, this should have been mercy ruled at 8-0, but Justice Kavanaugh <laughs> said, no, I, 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 I want to get up there and get my at-bats. This pitcher sucks, and, and I, I want to hit a couple over the fence. And and indeed he did. Uh, so the NCAA had heavily relied on Oklahoma uh, via the NCAA. This is the case that basically gave, uh, it was brought by Oklahoma and also joined, I believe, by Georgia back in 1984. Uh, this was the case that gave everybody the expanded TV rights. And they said, in the NCAA, you cannot control how many games are on TV each week. These conferences and schools should be able to own their TV rights and pool them as they see fit. And there was some dicta in that that basically suggested that the NCAA because of its social importance, uh, you know, maybe they don't have to totally follow some of the Sherman antitrust uh, laws. And this ultimately says that's that's not true anymore. Uh, it probably shouldn't have been true at the time. It's definitely not true now due to the size and expanding scope of the sport. They, you know, they cite that it is now a, a business that brings in uh, billions of dollars. And it's hard to argue that that is just some sort of little a uh, little collegiate, uh, you know, feel good club sport type in- enterprise type thing. Um, they also uh, Kavanaugh smacked down the idea that 
people watch college sports because the athletes are unpaid. And right. in fact, he noted that the NCAA did not present any actual evidence uh, as to this, with the exception of one expert uh, who was the defense's own expert, and or well, the you know appellant's own expert, be it the NCAA's expert. And uh, he quote only spoke with designated people uh, associated with the NCAA and member institutions. So didn't really do like fan polling or other things like that. So they really kind of thought that was uh, flimsy at best. Um, another good quote I, I like, I like from the, uh, from the actual, the, the, the primary, the bottom line is that the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of student athletes who collectively generate billions uh, of, of dollars in revenue for the colleges every year. These enormous sums of money flow to the seemingly everyone except the student athletes, college presidents, athletic directors, coaches, conference commissioners, and, and the NCAA executives take in six and seven figure salaries. Colleges build lavish new buildings, but the student athletes who generate the revenues, many of whom are African-American and lower income backgrounds, uh, end up with little or nothing. So there's a lot of that in here, man, uh, as far as the, look, this has gotten so big and you really haven't done anything to actually get money to flow to the student athletes. We can't rule on that right now because that's not the scope of this case, but they are basically begging for somebody to bring a lawsuit and they kind of admit as much, right? Um, if, if I look here, uh, there, there's, a, there's a line about um, collective bargaining mm-hmm. that I, I forgot to clip, but essentially Justice Kavanaugh is saying, uh, we're striking a lot of this stuff down, if not officially, then at least in, in, in this dicta. He's kind of inviting people to come sue and it's encouraging them or at least foreshadowing, hey, you guys might want to work on something collectively bargaining with the student athletes or get Congress to pass something so that we don't have more lawsuits come that we have to ultimately agree with and side against in NCAA in order to uh, have athletes get paid. Right. Because right now, again, all we are talking about in the immediate fallout is that education related expenses, laptops is the easy example, but you did a good thing to also mention like postgraduate internships. You know, I mean, there's lots of ways that the dollar value of these education related expenses or the opportunities with these education related expenses can probably be expanded, but it still doesn't. None of this ruling touches name image likeness. Oh, Chip, I found it. Uh, so here, here's Kavanaugh dunking some more. Uh, quote, everyone agrees that the NCAA can require student athletes to be enrolled students in good standing. But the NCAA's business model of using unpaid student athletes to generate billions of dollars in revenue for the colleges raises serious questions under the antitrust laws. In particular, it is highly questionable whether the NCAA and its member colleges can justify not paying student athletes a fair share of the revenues on the circular theory that the defining characteristic of college sports is that the colleges do not pay the athletes. And if that asserted justification is unavailing, it isn't, which they basically just struck it right. down, it is not clear how the NCAA can legally defend its remaining compensation rules. So this is Kavanaugh saying, you see all this other stuff right here? I'm not actually like, you didn't hire me to do this job, but like, if you hire me to do this job, I'm going to clean this stuff out too. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like a, a roofer found something else or like, yeah, mm-hmm. somebody's coming to your house. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so that, like clearly they're, they're, they're signaling that a lot of this stuff is, uh, is questionable. Additionally, as far as if you want sort of the, the legal standard, uh, I'm not going to get into the super antitrust law stuff. I've never practiced antitrust law, but you know, there are different standards of, of proof, right? Uh, so here in, in, the, uh, in the concurrence, as a result, absent legislation or a negotiated agreement between NCAA and the student athletes, the NCAA's remaining compensation rules should be subject to the ordinary rule of reason scrutiny. So they don't get some kind of special 
uh, standard to see if they run afoul of antitrust laws, right? They just have to be treated like any other normal business. And uh, Chip, I think at some point, I don't know when exactly this was, but if you keep having to just raise coaches' salaries and build insane buildings to try to show that you're not making a profit, and ultimately your balance sheets reveal that you bring in billions of dollars a year, it's just harder and harder to defend the position. And so I, I you know, I think as, as people love this sport, I certainly hope that either Congress or the NCAA uh, could find some solution, be it legislation or, or collectively bargaining with the student athletes. The one of the biggest takeaways, um, and I'm glad you, you brought it up, uh, has to be that the high court in the United States has just said, you're not a mom and pop shop. Stop acting like one. And we're not going to treat you like one. And that is a big change. You know, for everybody that's holding on to the, everybody who's holding on to the, the image of college athletics that the NCAA tried to argue. This is the Supreme court of the United States in a nine to nothing decision saying you've gotten too big. This is, this is, there's too much money. Things have to change. And, uh, and that's a, that's a pretty tough argument. Um, for, for the other side to handle right now. So what what do you think are the next steps? You mentioned that the language that was used here is inviting future lawsuits. It is inviting uh, a way for further legislation to be able to attack the NCAA's amateurism model. What do you think are, are some of the next steps and what are you looking for in terms of the longer term future? Well, I, I think we're going to have to have a case where uh, you could have one where a school gets in trouble for paying student athletes, right? And uh, maybe that's under the table. They get caught for it. And all of a sudden they say, you know what? Like this is anti-competitive for us not to be, not to be allowed to pay our athletes. And we had to go basically make an end run around these NCAA rules because we are not technically allowed uh, to, to pay the athletes right now. That, that's, that's a way something could get in. Um, I also think that it's very possible that with name, image, and likeness, maybe that gets expanded Maybe there is some sort of revenue sharing, perhaps at the conference level. That's basically how it works in the other pro sports, right? Why does why does the, why does NFL have, have a salary cap? Why does baseball have the luxury tax? What why do these labor unions? Uh, why do they agree to allowing that? Well, it's collectively bargained. They're they're agreeing to that in exchange for some other things, maybe a certain number at the cap that they like, or or what have you. Uh, but I think there are some unique challenges with student athletes organizing that we don't have in other sports. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to say, I, I don't know exactly what the next step will be here. I, I th- it'll be interesting to see if, if, uh, if athletes do organize or if maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this goes up to Congress. I think that they need to be invited to the table. I think, it, I think we need to ask the adults in the room to just like build a new, a new, um, a new setup that gives them a bigger voice and more representation in some of the decisions that impact their lives more than the decision makers who are making them. Well, and this, this is something that, that, that Kavanaugh pointed out as well. He said, you know, the NCAA knowledge that controls the market for college athletes and it concedes that the compensation rules set the price of student athlete labor at a b- below market rate, which is zero uh, or well, I guess if you count the scholarships, not zero, but certainly not, uh, not market rate. And the NCAA recognizes that student athletes currently have no meaningful ability to, go, to negotiate with the NCAA over comp- compensation rules. They're basically saying, hey, like this is one of the reasons why this isn't working. If the athletes agreed to this, 
as, as a collective bargaining unit, this case would not, would not be here. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting stuff. Uh, be sure uh, as always uh, to check out all the, uh, the extra coverage around this. And uh, Matt Norlander wrote a column. Uh, Dennis Dodd ha- has done a little bit. Our friends, the Ion College Basketball Podcast as well. Um, a lot of good coverage on, on what this means for the immediate and also the longer term future. Again, nine to nothing. Boy, bud, they took it to him. They did. They didn't quit. Nine to nothing Nine hurts. Nothing ain't no joke. Nine to nothing ain't no joke. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much. See you, Chip.